Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Hayward for three again. That's no good. Rebound Cantor. He goes up and got fouled and now gets tied up with Landry. Jared Jack. Favors comes over and puts Jared Jack. And now there's a scrub on the floor. Landry trying to get Favors away. Jared Jack took exception to the fact that Carl Landry got shoved on the play by Favors. Trying to get both teams to their respective sides here. Mark Jackson's on the floor downstairs. Now just greetings and salutations NBA style. Hand off to Jared Jack, leads Curry down the right sideline. Good catch with a dribble, with a three. Yes, Steph Curry gives Golden State a 12-point lead. Curry now was 16 in the first half, and it's 35 to 23. Tinsley, timeline, three-point line, backs up Curry, drives on him, goes up, rejected by Beandridge. Andres with a hustle block. Curry with a bounce pass to Jared Jack, goes in, got contact, banked it up, no good, he'll shoot two. Andres Beandridge said, no, 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 not tonight, not here. Not right now. You can try that move later on. Nine and one. That's what the Golden State Warriors record is after a loss. That's a fabulous number. And I think it's a major reason why the Golden State Warriors are 19 and 10 after last night's 94-83 win in Salt Lake City. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, inviting you once again to take a seat around the roundtable. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. And as you heard a couple of the highlights from last night, Steph Curry, after the Warriors were down 4 nothing to open the game, scored nine straight points. Golden State never gave up the lead. Curry would finish with 23 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. David Lee, 18 points and 9 boards. Uh, Clay Thompson had a very long day flying in from Oakland earlier in the day, but he scored 15. And Jarrett Jack off the bench for another big game. He had 15 points, and he'll be joining us shortly here on the roundtable. Very impressive to go into Salt Lake City and win there, where the Jazz were 9-2. and two. And the Warriors had won only 16 games and had lost 63 all-time in Salt Lake City. And that was a commanding victory last night. Golden State controlled that game, led by 20 in the late going. And, uh, boy, just very, very impressed with uh, Mark Jackson's crew last night and the job that they were able to do against the Utah Jazz. It's another great show on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, so please enjoy your seat. We'll have Jared Jack when we continue. A quick reminder, it's time to drive for five with Kia. Purchase or lease a 2012 or 2013 Kia vehicle, and you'll drive home with two tickets to five Warriors home games. For complete details, including a list of participating Bay Area retailers, go to warriors.com slash Kia. Jared Jack is next on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it and one foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, he throws back to Jared Jack. Jared Jack from three-quarter court, lets it fly up and good! He hit it! Three-quarter court, three-pointer! He shot it like he expected it to go in. It was a great release. Hi, Tim Roy for Warriors Radio. Our pleasure to be joined by Warriors guard Jared Jack, and uh, congratulations on the start. The team's playing a good basketball for the most part. Yeah, um, you know, at this present time, I still think we got some things to clean up. Uh, I think we have a ways to go to get back to the rhythm that we had early on in the season. Um, I think we had some slippage, slippage here the past you know, couple games, and uh, the best thing about today is we have a, a chance to right the ship. 
I mean, when you define slippage, what would you uh, what would you point to? Um, just uncharacteristic thing, not taking care of the ball, um, not being vocal enough, and uh, not being the hardest working team every time we take the floor. I think we have moments where we do it, but uh, we preach doing it for a complete 48-minute period, and um, that's things we got to get back to. When you talk about uh, being the hardest working team on the floor, closing out games to me is, a, is, a, is an issue for a team that's coming together. And as a group, you guys haven't been together all that long. Is there something to that, something to have that, uh, that groups have played together a long time? Are they able to close out games easier? I mean, yeah. Um, they probably have a feel for one another down the stretch. Um, tendencies and uh, just playing off instincts. Um, but with us, we have to grow up and we have to grow up fast. Um, nobody's going to give us a pass, being that we've only been together a couple months. Um, we got to, as professionals, all hit the learning curve at the same time and, you know, get on the same page. And when we do have these leads late in ball games, or uh, when we have to come back, we have to find a way to kind of close out these games and try to get W's. Warriors have three rookies that are in the rotation. How does that change your role? Um, just vocally, just try to help them out. Um, of course, they're going to see some things now, especially with the season picking up, that they haven't seen before. And, uh... You know, the good thing about us, we have some rookies that are very, very smart, uh, high basketball IQs, and, you know, you don't have to tell them things two and three times, maybe once. Even if they didn't figure it out on their own, which they probably will with, these, with this bunch, but, you know, you tell them once and they pretty much have it. So um, just watching them soak up their knowledge and then use it and then also allowing them to lead other guys as well is the beauty of it. Of course, with uh, Draymond Green, you don't have to worry about him being vocal. Without question. <laughs> you know, Draymond is definitely uh, one of the rookies that lets his voice be heard. Um, not afraid to step up and say some things, you know, leadership-wise, or if you see something out there on the floor that we uh, need to make an adjustment to. So, you know, we're not a team that really uh, holds any restraint on, on where the knowledge comes from, you know, regardless if you've been in the league one year or ten years. We're talking with Jared Jack. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors Radio, and, and I wanted to ask you about a couple of things that are in your game. One is that little teardrop that you use coming down the lane. How did you learn to shoot that, and how long did it take you to perfect that? Well, um, it was a shot I kind of developed when I, when I was really, really young. Um, in my neighborhood, I always wanted to go to the you know park and play, but you know obviously there were the older kids were there, and me being one of the shorter kids, that was the only shot I could get off. You know what I mean? They were bigger than me, and uh, I had to find ways to be effective. And my floater was, you know, I always had you know pretty good foot speed, so I could get by people. And once I got in the lane, I had to develop some type of shot that can you know still give me an opportunity to be successful. So. That's where it came from. And is the key to that one releasing it early? Um, releasing it early, getting the defender off balance, and then uh, kind of gauging the separation between the you know defender as he's closing in on you. The other part of your offensive game I wanted to ask you about was you really seem to love the the elbow, you know, shooting that little 15. You like to take guards right there and, and, and take that shot. How do you get them to go where you want them to go? Um, like I said, I mean, I have the ability to, to go by guys and finish at the rim. Um, one of the things I always practiced every day in college was pushing the basketball and getting to the elbow. I figured if I got to the elbow, you know, I pretty much kind of had the defender at my mercy, being that, you know, I could knock down the shot. Or if I did go bomb, it was one dribble and I'd be to the basket. So um, once I get him in that, pretty much in that airspace, it was pretty much kind of pick your poison. Now we're talking with Jared Jack. And again, getting back to the team play for just a moment, I wanted to, to, to get your thoughts on, on – uh, how this team has played without Andrew Bogut. Because when Andrew comes back, I was telling someone the other day, I don't think it's going to be as big of an adjustment as normally when you bring back a starter because he's not a guy that needs you know to score 25 to feel good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been an adjustment for, for Festus. Um, 
playing against these starting centers uh, in this league. Um, I think he's done a tremendous job uh, up to this point, rebounding the basketball, being a great defensive presence for us. Um, but when Bowles comes back, I mean, he, he adds another element. You know, he's a guy that can make plays as well as, uh, you know, score on the block, and he's a you know great defender as well, one-on-one defender, pick-and-roll defender. So um, we look forward to Bowles coming back. But like I said, in the meantime, Fester has done a, you know, a great job for us as well. So as we're doing this interview, I know she got a pair of uh, – White snakes on today with black trim, a little red uh, outline there in the the inside. Is, is this the day that I will see this pair, only this day? Yeah, these are the uh, Deion Sanders Diamonds uh, Surf Part 2s. Um, they actually were the uh, 49ers makeup when he played with them and, you know, won the Super Bowl with those guys. So I just broke them on out, man. Haven't haven't worn them probably since last year. So What's the uh, the total up to now? Who knows? It's been It's been growing pretty rapidly. Uh, over the course of the season, went to New York recently and, and, and got a few pair. We're going to L.A. coming up soon. There's another sneaker spot out there that I like to hit up. So who knows? At the end of the season, I'll try to tally them up. Carl Stewart did a very nice piece on you in the, the Bay Area news group, and you were saying you had over 1,500. But at one point in your life, you were storing them in, like, kitchen counters? It's just it comes to a point uh, before I got my room built in my house. It was like a, to a point where I couldn't fit them anywhere else. So um, I don't do a lot of cooking. So these cabinets that I had all around my house, I said, hey, why not use them for additional shoe storage? Is there anybody else in the league that even comes close to you? I mean, I'm sure there are. Um, I know Carmelo has like a walk-in sneaker closet. Yeah, he has his own shoe too. So yeah. you know, it's kind of different for him. Uh, he has a tremendous amount of shoes. Obviously, LeBron has a bunch. Chris Paul, um, J.R. Smith has, has has a bunch. I know of Wesley Matthews. Um, but even they do have more than me. Nobody's blowing me out the water. <laughs> no question about that. Do you use them for uh, charity work too? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes I give them away. But like like I said, I'm more so collect them now. You know, I'm just a fan of of the whole culture. Um, what goes into making the shoe, the ideas. Um, the materials they use, um, the storyline that kind of goes behind it. It's almost uh, kind of like a, a, a rap artist when they make a song. You know, most people hear the song, they don't really know what goes into it, where the inspiration, the emotion comes from. So that was more so what wraps me up into it, more than just having a lot of shoes for the sake of having a lot of shoes. So would there be a point in your life you think you would be a designer? I, I hope so. Um, you know, when I first got drafted, I got drafted to Portland, and uh, in my downtime, I would spend a lot of time at the Nike headquarters up there and just kind of sit in and watch meetings and, you know, watch the overall process, and it really intrigued me. So uh, everybody always asks me what I'm going to do after basketball is over. So that's one of the windows I definitely would like to explore. Um, obviously, respectfully, I want to go in there, and if it's something that I can contribute to, I would love to be a part of it. Now, I'm a lot older than you, and I remember I was so excited when they – we're switching from canvas to leather, and that was that was pretty cool for me in, in, in high school to get my first pair of, of uh, leather snakes. What was the first pair that you remember and that, that got you fired up? First pair of sneakers um, that really got me going. Um, I was 10 years old. It was the first pair of Penny Hardaways that came out. And, uh, you know, Penny was my favorite player. Obviously, I idolized him. Wanted to pretty much emulate everything he did on the court, and you wanted to be dressed like him as well. So I had the wristband like he had, and had his sneaks on. So, you know, I almost thought I, I thought I was him. <laughs> was there a, a little Jarrett to go with Little Penny? <laughs> nah, I, I wasn't creative enough for that. 
Um, but I definitely I like, and that was part of it too. You know, the the commercials, uh, the whole presentation, the whole scheme that went into his whole brand was very, very attractive. And um, you know, the people at Nike do a tremendous job of taking care of me, and uh, you know, they do a good job of presenting us as athletes, but as well as people as well. All right, well, Jared Jack. As we wrap this up, I appreciate the the conversation, and and uh, it's. It's great to great to have you on the Golden State Warriors. We're we're thrilled watching you play. A final question is: one of the keys to the season so far has been the fact that you and Carl Landry are totally accepted in your role. You guys really in, embrace the fact of coming off the bench. Not a lot of guys can do that. Um, I mean, you're playing. You know what I mean. And the one thing I stress to the rookies is that in this league, most of us really aren't gonna. It's not going to be ideal for most of us, being that you probably won't play the minutes you want all the time and you won't get the shots you want all the time. You won't get the money you exactly want all the time. But yet and still you get to do something you love each and every day and you kind of got to get in where you fit in. Like in this league, it's only going to be ideal for a couple guys. LeBron, he's going to shoot the ball as much as he wants. He's going to play as much as he wants. and make it, You know what I mean? Yeah, Kobe, yeah. Kevin Durant. Yeah. But for the rest of us, you have to – some way figure out a ways to be effective and I think that helps make you a more well-rounded player you know what I mean and for me now in my eighth year people are like oh he can start or he can come off the bench right. and it, it kind of makes you a little bit more attractive when you can kind of be effective in in different roles and see how many hats you can really wear you know what I mean it's just like a a guy who can only be a head coach or a guy who can be a head coach offensive coordinator defense court like he can do so many things and Never look at it as a negative. Try to always turn it as a plus. And I think that's what me and Carl have done uh, so far throughout our careers. All right. Thank you so much, and and, uh, happy holidays. Same to you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jared Jack as much as I did. I'm Tim Roy, and we'll continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. But first, a reminder of the Holiday Hoops four-game mini-plans presented by Jamba Juice feature all the Warriors' marquee matchups, including the upcoming appearances by Boston on Saturday or the Miami Heat or the Los Angeles Lakers. Get your Holiday Hoops plan tonight and receive a $10 Jamba Juice gift card. Go to Warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and press Option number 1. When we continue, Harrison Barnes in 15 plays for the holidays on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. <laughs> We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hi, Tim Roy for Warriors Radio, and the Golden State Warriors continue to try to make the Bay Area a happier place this holiday season. And as part of the Warriors' 15 plays for the holidays, Golden State forward Harrison Barnes treated 10 local Bay Area kids ages 6 to 15 to a shopping spree at an Adidas store in San Francisco. It happened before the holiday, and the kids were winners of an essay and video contest held over the past couple of weeks in which they explained why they should spend an afternoon with the Warriors rookie. 
The winners of the Holidays with Harrison contest had the chance to meet Harrison Barnes and shop with him for up to $500 of Adidas apparel, including a new pair of Adidas shoes, t-shirts, pants, and other items. And for Harrison, this goes back to when he was a kid. He participated in Shop with a Cop in Ames, Iowa, where underprivileged kids had a chance to go shopping with the police department. So I know how important it is to have gifts for the holidays. So Barnes giving back to those in need. Holidays with Harrison brought to you by Adidas. It's all part of the Warriors 15 Plays for the Holidays Community Outreach Initiative. It will run until the end of this month as the Warriors continue to try to enrich the lives of Bay Area children and their families this holiday season. A lot of you guys wrote essays, and I read those. And so what I decided to do was to let you guys come here and shop for the holidays. Um, I know how important it is, you know, to have you know, things for Christmas, you know, have clothes. So each of you guys get to go around here. You guys get to pick out, you know, T-shirts, shorts, shoes, accessories, whatever you guys need. Um, and it's all on me as a gift to you guys. So I want you guys to have fun today. I want you guys to relax, get what you need. Um, and just have no worries. Just have a Merry Christmas. We'll hand out the shirts and then we'll let you guys get to shopping. Does that sound good? Everybody cool with that? I want you guys to shop, get what you guys need. Whatever you guys see you like, go ahead and pick it out. These guys are here to help you. Do whatever you need, man. Today we're going um, on a shopping spree with Harrison Barnes. I'm most excited about having fun. I want to get some shoes, socks, anything. <laughs> I'm a big Warriors fan. Can you help me pick out a basketball? Yeah, I can. Put your real one, not, not one of those black ones, man. That's, that's not a real basketball. You play. You shoot inside or outside? Outside. Shoot outside. It gotta be orange, man. This is an outdoor ball. I would encourage you get a, you get something orange. Okay. Looks like a real basketball. The biggest thing about today is just giving back. Um, I remember when I was younger, I did this thing called Shop with the Cop, which is where you know police officers in my my city took you know kids out to go shopping. You know kids that you know needed gifts. So. The biggest thing today is just you know giving back to the kids, letting them you know come here, you know pick out some Adidas gear, and really just have a good time. My favorite part of the day was probably kids asking me what shoe I played in, and just being able to say you know this is the shoe I played in, and you know just seeing how excited they were that they you know, they could you know, play in the shoe that I played in. That was that was fun. I just brought kids out here to the Adidas store in San Francisco to just help them shop for gear and uh, give them something for the holidays. I feel real excited to, to, to see a real NBA player because I play all NBA basketball games. I have some shoes and a shirt. It's always important to just, you know, help out, you know, those who, you know, don't have as much. Um, you know, everyone comes from a different background, you know. A lot of these kids, you know, they don't want, you know, you know, iPods or Xboxes for Christmas. I mean, they just, you know, they just want clothes, you know, something warm to keep, you know, have, you know, something warm to, you know, wear around, you know, while it's cold outside. So I was glad I was able to, able to help. I hope you got some stuff you enjoyed, man. Shoots over him, it's up a good. Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. 
Warriors at Philadelphia tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, the pregame show. Warriors and Boston on Saturday night. What a back-to-back on the home floor. The Sixers and the Celtics, uh, two of the charter members of the association, along with the Golden State Warriors. And they're in town for what should be, I think, very a good and spirited contest. Philadelphia's coming off a huge win in Memphis. And, well, Boston is just Boston. As long as they have Rondo, Pierce, and Garnett, they're going to be a threat to beat you anytime they hit the floor. Time now to answer your questions at Warriors Box on Twitter, Warriors VOX, or send me an email at troy at warriors.com. So let's get to the questions. First of all, uh, we have a couple of different questions about Andrew Bogut. And the first one from DW. W. Bobby says, Bogut's status, please, in in big letters and the question marks. He wants to know about Andrew Bogut. When is he coming back? Well, Warriors General Manager Bob Myers addressed that subject again, mind you, uh, just before the holiday. He's doing everything possible in his power, everything the doctors are asking to do, everything the trainers are asking to do. And I've said this before when asked about him. To really be an elite team or be considered a team that can win on the road, win against size, we're going to need Andrew Bogut back on this team. And as a follow-up to that one from BZO650 wants to know, it's an obvious question, but how will Bogut fit in once he's back? And I've been saying this for a while now, that my sense is with Andrew coming back to the Warriors lineup eventually, I think the transition will be a lot easier than it would be if he was a high-volume scorer, if he was a high-usage player, uh, so to speak. I think the fact that, that Andrew is a defense and rebounding and passing guy first, scoring comes somewhere down the way, that I think the transition is going to be a lot easier because he'll be able to do things that will help you defensively. Uh, like last night, Festus Azili got a little bit of an education at the beginning of the game on how to guard Al Jefferson, it's something every rookie has to go through. Uh, Festus is doing a great job. But with a guy like Andrew Bogut, who's played Jefferson a number of times, he's a very good defender, uh, you could throw Andrew Bogut out against Dwight Howard or Al Jefferson or any of the Lopez twins, any of the big guys in the NBA that other teams may have to double in some way, shape, or form. I think if you're the Warriors, you could probably put Andrew Bogut out there and not help whatsoever. That Bogut's that good defensively. So I think the transition when he comes back will be a lot easier than it would be, say, if he was a big-time scorer as a starter. Now the next question comes from Mr. Tubak, who wants to know, will Bazemore and Tyler continue the double duty all season? In fact, as we are broadcasting tonight, the Santa Cruz Warriors are in action, and Bazemore and Tyler are there. They're taking on the Springfield Armor. We'll have a complete update on the, that game tomorrow during our pregame show and throughout the broadcast. And yes, I think they'll continue to do the double duty for quite some time. It's a great way to get those guys playing time that they need to progress as NBA players. They get some good work in. It's only a short drive down to Santa Cruz. It's a perfect setup for the Golden State Warriors. And for uh, Bazemore and Tyler, they were also a part of history as they were there when the Santa Cruz Warriors opened up the Kaiser Permanente Arena on the 23rd, the home opener. And Jeremy Tyler was very excited to be there. He's very happy to hear the cheers of an excited Santa Cruz crowd. I definitely felt the energy in here. Definitely. I mean, I don't understand why this this city hasn't got a team a while ago. I mean, it seems like they love basketball and they love, you know, excitement. And that's what we're here to give them. You know, give them excitement, give them, you know, something to do on uh, at nighttime, you know, come and watch the sport. And uh, it was I had a great night. It was fun. It was loud. Energy was up. So 
I'm good. Thanks for all your questions. If you're on Twitter and email and firing away, I'll try to answer you individually as time permits. Join us tomorrow for another Authentic Fan Friday brought to you by Comcast Sportsnet as the Warriors take on the Philadelphia 76ers and be a part of the Authentic Fan Experience. The first 19,000 receive a Clay Thompson Collector Series cheer card. Go to warriors.com slash fan Friday. On the radio side, we're on the air with the pregame show starting at 7 o'clock, Warriors and the Sixers. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News is up next. What about Avery Johnson fired this morning as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets? He was the Eastern Conference Coach of the Month for November and fired before the end of December. I can't ever Remember that happening in the association. Sean Devaney will try to pick his brain about that as well as we continue on KBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Don't forget back-to-back home games tomorrow night. Philadelphia and Boston, 7 o'clock airtimes on KBR 680. And I am told that there are still some limited seats available for both of those games. So call one gsw hoop and come on out. The Golden State Warriors with a big win last night in Utah, a controlling win as the Warriors basically almost led wire to wire. They were down 4-0, took the lead on a Steph Curry 9-0 run and then control the contest the rest of the way. A pleasure to welcome a friend of Warriors Radio and one of the great scribes who covers the NBA, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News is with us. And, Sean, I wanted to start. We've got some news of the day, obviously, something that happened earlier this morning. But since I'm talking a little bit about the Warriors and the back-to-back at home this weekend, from afar, give me your thoughts on uh, the start this year for Golden State and what do you see? Yeah, you know, it's been remarkable. Uh, You know, they've been... Uh, pretty good defensively, and and you know you you really had to figure that uh, you know watching this game, uh, watching this team in the past, uh, that all they needed to do was be pretty good defensively. There's no question that they can score, uh, and the fact that they've been able to do that, uh, you know, has really been uh, uh, the real key here. The fact that they've been able to take it on the road and win on the road, you know, those are things that that you wouldn't have expected with Andrew Bogut out, especially. Uh, so the fact that they've been able to uh, to do this by sort of mixing and matching their lineups and 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 how they bring guys off the bench, uh, you know, that's been really really uh, uh, impressive. You know, I really thought that they were going to be a much better team this year. I didn't think that they could be this good uh, without Andrew Bogut. Yeah, it's funny, you know, to uh, wrap up the broadcast last night, I said that the there are two teams in the NBA that have 11 road wins: the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors. You know, who'd ever thought that at this juncture of the season? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think a lot of credit goes to, uh, uh, and I'm sure in, in your area they've, they've got enough credit, but but probably nationally they haven't. Uh, Jared Jack and 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 Carl Landry, you know, those two guys, just being the the, the NBA veterans that they are, uh, having been around the block as many times as they uh, have been, and 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 of course just the way that they played, uh, you know, that 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 really helps out. Uh, a young team like this, when you get into crunch time, you get into some tough games, you start to build some confidence uh, on the road. And, and I really think that bringing in those two veterans, uh, and they were fortunate to get both. You know, I mean, they, they came at pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty low-rent prices. And, and uh, you know, the Warriors are very, very patient throughout the summer uh, and wound up being able to get those guys just under the uh, luxury tax or close to under the luxury tax. 
Uh, and, and in doing so, I think that that's really been a real key in terms of them being able to, uh, uh, to go out and win road games, just having that better in presence. No question. Those guys are both pros. We had uh, Jarrett Jack on earlier this hour. If you missed that interview, you can download it at iTunes at the Warriors Roundtable podcast. And also, uh, you can uh, we'll have it up on the website as well. Sean, let's talk about the, the news of the day. Earlier this morning, the uh, Brooklyn Nets announced that they have fired head coach Avery Johnson. So the question I tweeted out just uh, this morning was that, you know, does anyone remember when the coach of the month was fired before the end of the next month. I can't ever remember something like that happening. No, you really can't. And that's that it's probably one for the record books right there. So you know, Avery Johnson was coach of the year. I think it was in '06, and then he got fired in '08. So you know, that was uh, uh, that was you know, coach of the year. Obviously, a little different. Uh, and and a little more time elapsed, but uh, that, that's one of the few things that I can think that that would compare to that. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it really shows you, uh, um, you know, what what kind of pressure that franchise is under right now. Uh, after the great start, I think that that really did uh, sort of ramp up the pressure and 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 made them say, hey, okay, we can be this good. And then for them to slide into the three and ten funk that they slid into, uh, you know, that that really put the writing on the wall. Uh, for Avery Johnson, and then uh, some of the comments, of course, that Darren Williams made, uh, that was sort of the final straw. So, you know, you, you go into that 3-10, and ten, uh, you know, that 3-10 and ten stretch with a point guard, a star point guard that you just paid $100 million saying, I don't like this guy's system, uh, you know, you could do the math and, and, and realize that Avery Johnson uh, was not going to be long for that team. Is, is Darren Williams a coach killer? You know, it's an interesting question. You know, Jerry Sloan, when, when, when he resigned, uh, which was right after a uh, confrontation that he had with, uh, with, with Williams in Utah uh, a couple of years ago, Sloan went out of his way to say, look, this wasn't a Darren Williams thing. This was, uh, uh, you know, this was a long time coming. I didn't, you know, he'd been around 23 years. So you could kind of say, okay, well, maybe he's, uh, uh, you know, maybe he's, he's actually telling the truth. Maybe he really is. Uh, just a little bit burnt out, and, and maybe the Williams thing sort of, uh, you know, lit the fire a little bit, but it wasn't the real cause. Uh, this one, uh, you know, this is uh, this is on Darren Williams. I mean, that, at this point, uh, you know, if the if the slow thing wasn't his fault, this one is, and and that puts a lot of pressure on a player. I mean, he's played terribly for uh, for Avery Johnson. There's no question about it. Uh, and, and, and you could argue that Avery Johnson's system really isn't very good for Darren Williams. But look, you're the star player. Now that the coach is gone, whoever they bring in, I'm sure they'll consult with Darren Williams in terms of, uh, in terms of the next long-term coach. Uh, you know, you're going to have to play well. I mean, you can't, you can't go out there and, and score, you know, 17, 16, 17 points on 38% shooting anymore. Uh, that's not going to cut it. So uh, I think uh, that all this, the way it's all played out, uh, has really put a lot of pressure on Darren Williams. And, and yeah, I think you could say that, that he got his coach fired. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's going to make it even tougher. Where do they go for the uh, next head coach? Yeah, you know, that's going to be an interesting. I'm, I'm sure they're going to swing for the fences. And, and you might even see Sloan be, be, be one of the candidates, uh, you know, even, even despite that confrontation he had with Williams. Those are two guys who uh, still have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, you know, that, that concern, you, you, I'm sure you'll hear the name Phil Jackson come up. I'm sure that, uh, you know, with, with Mikhail Prokhorov, uh, you're going to at least hear that name come up. Uh, I think that they're going to go big on this. I, you know, I think that they've they've got to. You know, they've they've obviously 
uh, spent so much uh, on this team. Their their payroll is going to be locked up for the next three years beyond this one. Uh, you know, they're going to be around the luxury tax uh, for, for the next three years past this one. Uh, they're going to have to pay a lot of money to have this team. They better get a coach that can get the most out of it. So, you know, I think those are a couple. Now, I think you're going to hear, uh, you know, some Hall of Fame names come up, you know, maybe even a, a Larry Brown or somebody like that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, they're not going to be uh, looking for assistance. Now, now, I'm not saying that, that that's what they're going to get. You know, they, they might wind up uh, finding themselves disappointed uh, in terms of who they do get because, like I say, that's a high-pressure job right now. Uh, but I think that they're really going to swing for the fences at least in terms of who they try to get. Nate McMillan is a, uh, a guy that, that would immediately come to mind as well. Sean Devaney's my guest from the Sporting News. You can uh, follow him on Twitter. And, Sean, what is your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, it's just at Sean Devaney. That's my name. At Sean Devaney, so you can follow him there and, and obviously uh, read his links uh, to the Sporting News. The Clippers are playing as we as we broadcast. They're battling the Boston Celtics, and, and the Clippers are just on this roll. I remember talking to someone before the season started, and they were a little skeptical, but but I looked at the, the – it wasn't just that they had Chris Paul because, you know, Chris Paul's a, a feared player in the NBA. He's just one of those guys that can will his team to a win. But the depth they've added – uh, on that team, and it's veteran depth, guys that know how to play, guys who have been in big situations. Uh, I just think that they've got to the the nice little mix going on there. They could be a real factor in the postseason. Yeah, and it, it, it makes you go back and look at what they did last year, you know, losing Chauncey Billups early on with the Achilles uh, injury, and as thin as they were, you know, signing Kenyon Martin off the, uh, off the scrap heap and, and giving major minutes to Reggie Evans. You know, I mean, they were really kind of scrounging around looking for some depth. Uh, and, and you go back and look, and it's really a tribute to Chris Paul uh, that they were able to get to the second round of the playoffs last year and, and, and finish as well as they did. So now you come out and you, and, and you bring in, um, you know, Jamal Crawford. Uh, Matt Barnes has been really, really good for them. Uh, you know, you bring in some, some real quality depth. They'll have Grant Hill. Grant Hill hasn't played yet. Chauncey Billups hasn't been 100% healthy, so he's going to be coming back. Uh, Willie Green has played well for them. Eric Bledsoe has really taken some huge steps forward. I think that's going to be a guy to watch, uh, you know, when he hits restricted free agency. That's going to be uh, a tough decision for them because he's played so well. You know, they've, they've got so much depth now uh, that they're able to throw a wave of players at you. Uh, and like I say, it, it's only going to get better for them when they start getting, uh, you know, Billups back and, and, and Grant Hill back. Uh, Lamar Odom has played better for them lately. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is all before you get to, you know, their star players, Chris Paul and, and, uh, and, and Blake Griffin. Uh, you know, right now they're, they're as deep as any team in the league. I think that's really been a big key for them, and I think that'll be a key for them going into the playoffs. They don't want to peak too early. Uh, that's, that's probably the one concern for the Clippers. Uh, but certainly with the, uh, with the amount of depth that they have, uh, there's no reason to think they won't be ready for the playoffs. Sean, let's talk about a couple of, uh, well, I'll call them troubled big men uh, in the association. Philadelphia's in town uh, tomorrow night here at Oracle, and we haven't seen Andrew Bynum on the floor for them. Is Because of his injury history, is Bynum worth the, the trouble and the effort and the money that Philadelphia's going to have to put in to, to get him going? Well, I, I mean, this was part of the plan for Philadelphia. They knew when they traded for him that there was a chance he was never going to play for him. You know, they, uh, when, you, when, you, when, when you're messing with Andrew Bynum, you know you're messing with bad knees. That's, that's just part of the deal. Uh, but, you know, he's in the last year of his contract. So that's, that's the one blessing. Is they, 
they really did want to move Andre Iguodala uh, and get out of the rest of his contract so that they could get more shots for Drew Holiday, get more shots for Evan Turner, see what those guys can do. And really, that's worked out pretty well for them. You know, Holiday has been and really terrific, and, and maybe even an all-star, and, and Turner has played much better as well without being in the shadow of Andre Iguodala. So they're able to get out of that, that contract, and Bynum comes up as a free agent uh, this year. It, 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 they're almost at a point now where they'd rather him not play, you know, because if he comes back and he averages 25 and 12 over 20 games, then you say, well, geez, what do we do? You know, what it, do you pay him the big money with those bad knees, or do you, uh, um, you know, or do you let him walk and say, okay, well, we accomplished the goal of getting out of our our, our financial mess with uh, with Andre Iguodala, and now we're able to pursue some other free agents. So it's 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 definitely a tricky situation, but they knew going in that this was a possibility with Andrew Bynum. Sean Devney of the Sporting News talking about Andrew Bynum. Let's go to the other trouble big man. I wanted to hear your thoughts on what do you do with Demarcus Cousins of the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, you know I I I think he's a very talented guy. I really do. But when I look at that franchise and I look at where they are and, and, and whatever they're trying to do, uh, I think probably the best thing they can do is 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 get rid of him. And if, if that means cut him, then cut him. You know, he's still on his rookie deal. I know it's a high draft pick and it's a lot of talent that you're giving up. Uh, but, you know, I think you need to send a message that uh, to the rest of your team that we're not a joke, you know, that, that, that we're not going to let guys go after their coach over and over and over again, get suspended three times. Uh, you know, I keep smart, and you guys know him. I mean, he's a guy who, if you can't play for him, then something's wrong with you. You know, I mean, and he bent over backwards for for Demarcus Cousins, and I just, I just really think that you know, if 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 you're the Kings and you do everything you can to get rid of him, and and you know, hopefully that's a trade. But hey, if you've got to release him, then you release him. I really think that you're better off in the long term, and what that does for the players who are on your roster now. Uh, and who you might bring in in the future uh, than than it is to uh, to let this guy continue to walk over your whole organization. Sean, kind of along the same vein as you were talking about Andrew Bynum, you know the New York Knicks are off to this great start. Carmelo's playing, um, you know, kind of out of his mind, so to speak. I mean, he's playing great, and I, I wonder, you know, is it, are they going to be better when Amari comes back, or is he just going to maybe upset the uh, the apple cart, if you will? And what are you, what are your thoughts on, on Carmelo and and then of course Amari coming back to New York? Yeah, you know I think they can be better with him. I mean, you know he's still a talented player. He's obviously a good scorer. Um, you know he's he's a big guy, and you know if, if you have a guy like him uh, who is agreeable to coming off the bench and can give you that kind of offense off the bench, uh, you know that's that's nothing but a positive. Especially if you've got a defensive center like Tyson Chandler, you know you throw. Uh, uh, you throw Amari in there. You can play him at center. Some you can play him up. Okay, it gives you a bunch of different matchup options uh, that you should be take that be able to take advantage of. Now that's the ideal world, right? I mean, that's you know, if you have a guy uh, who is of that mentality, right. uh, then uh, that, then it should work. Now the question is, you know, Amari said all the right things, but how will it actually play out? You know, will he actually uh, you know be able to handle coming off the bench? Will the chemistry be okay? Uh, will he be able to take? Um, you know, a seat in the way back to uh, to Carmelo Anthony. It's not just the back seat. He's, he's going to have to be in the trunk at this point. You know, he's not averaging 25 points anymore. It's just not going to happen. He can accept that and, and be a guy who gives you 10 to 12 off the bench, uh, you know, especially, uh, uh, you know, if your offense is struggling a little bit, a guy can get you points in the paint. 
you know, that's a, that's a, it's a little bit like Carl Landry for for the Warriors. You know, that's that's invaluable. You know, to be able to get that sort of production consistently off the bench, it can really you know change the the tide of a game uh, if things get off to a bad offensive start for you. Uh, if, if Amari can be that kind of guy, then things will be even better in New York. But the question is, you know, it, it's hard for a hundred million dollar guy to take on an eight million dollar role. You know, and that's 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 sort of where. Amari is, and and where the Knicks is, and and that's where uh, you know everybody is uh, is holding their breath right now. Speaking of the Wayback Machine, I love the new Blake Griffin commercial. I think that's just fabulous. I think it's just so funny. Um, his new uh, car commercial, but but Sean, as we as we wrap this up, I wanted to bring you back a, a little bit to um, to Golden State because I know you talked to Mark Jackson. What were your impressions of talking to Mark uh, earlier this year? And and again, the club's off to a great start. Steph Curry and you know, David Lee, I think, are playing the best, you know, basketball of their careers. When you talked to Mark, what was the sense you got from Coach Jackson? Well, you know, I, I, I one thing I gave him the opportunity to do, Tim, is to kind of tell everybody, uh, you know, to, to kind of stick it to everybody who had who had questioned whether this was a good hire. And, and there were plenty of people who did, uh, you know, a guy with no experience, uh, you know, and without having been uh, – uh, on, on an NBA bench at all as a, as a coach, even as an assistant, uh, you know there there were a lot of people questioning that move, uh, and then you know he, he really didn't take the bait. You know he really didn't. You know I, that that was one thing that impressed me was that look he he said uh, you know uh, the, the reason that I'm winning more now is that I've got better players. And, you know he really was was quick to uh, to, to deflect credit uh, to the players uh, almost entirely and and not take very much credit himself. Um, and you know, I mean, he's you know he's a guy who I believe in 18 years of playing made something like uh, 15 postseasons. So you know, he was a part of winning groups, and he was a guy who knew you know the, the, the little things that everybody needs to do uh, in terms of chemistry. And he said uh, one thing about this Warriors team is that it has as good a chemistry as any team that he has been part of. And I, I was really impressed by that comment because that's saying something. Like I said, with the uh, with the level of success he had in terms of getting to the postseason year in and year out, you know that's uh, that's that, that's an impressive notion. And uh, you know, you never know if a coach is going to be a hundred percent truthful with that sort of thing. But uh, you know, assuming he's being ninety percent truthful or eighty percent truthful, that's still that's that's a pretty big statement to think that that this Warriors team has that level of chemistry. And Sean, um, again, as I, as I mentioned about Steph Curry. Uh, Boy, it just seems that you know when when they traded Monte, and obviously you know I I think that that's the trade they had to make because they had to get bigger. But but I just think it's it's kind of opened the floor up for Steph. You know I love Monte and he's a dynamic scorer and 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 uh, you know I some people here tend to think that he you know you can't that he was not a, a winning type player. I disagree because I saw him win with you know the oh six oh seven teams and that oh seven oh eighteen that won forty eight games and didn't get into the playoffs. But uh, you know, I, I just think it kind of opened the door for Steph to to grow a little bit as a player and to flourish a little bit as a player. Yeah, I think there's no question uh, uh, that a, a lot of things have come together for him. I think that uh, uh, certainly having a more traditional lineup, uh, you know, with the way that Clay Thompson shoots, of course, um, you know, that's that's really been helpful uh, in terms of you know drive and kick and and, and that aspect of his game. Um, but but yeah, I think that that his ability to shoot has also um, you know he's got more confidence because he's not you know he doesn't have to worry about Monte getting his as well. 
which, you know, seemed to be something that he was always conscious of before, uh, and he doesn't really have to worry about that as much. I think Steph's gotten better defensively, too, and, and you know, I know he was starting from a pretty low bar, uh, but I think that uh, him being healthy has helped a lot of that. Um, so, you know, I just think that, that overall, sort of everything that he got the contract, doesn't have to worry about that. Monte's gone. He's healthy. You know, you kind of combine all those things, and, and, and you're seeing the guy, I think, that, that the Warriors thought that they were going to be getting when they agreed to pay him what they paid him uh, in the offseason. Sean Devaney, you can follow him at Sean Devaney on Twitter and, of course, on the Sporting News. Uh, what the, the uh, website is, is it thesportingnews.com or tsn.com? Uh, just sportingnews.com. Sportingnews.com. Okay, you can go there and, and uh, read all of his fine work. Sean, a pleasure, as always, to uh, have you on the show, and I uh, look forward to seeing you. Are we going to run into you somewhere on the NBA trail this year? No doubt, no doubt. I'm hoping I'm, I'm, I'm working on making a trip out there uh, uh, to come see the Warriors in person, so hopefully I get to do that. I look forward to it. Thanks, Sean. Okay, thank you. I don't believe it. I can't believe you're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Golden State Warriors continue a tough stretch of the schedule, their toughest of the season. Of the next 14 opponents, only two are below 500, and most of the teams the Warriors will be facing over the next 14 games are going to be teams in the playoffs, whether it be Eastern or Western Conference. And over the next three games, the Golden State Warriors will see three of the better point guards in the association, starting with tomorrow night. The Philadelphia 76ers in town, and that means Drew Holiday. On the offensive glass with Oh, a steal by Holiday, and a breakaway. Two-hand slam. New Jersey inbounding on the far side, and Drew Holiday steals the ball at midcourt and dunks it. What a time for the easiest points of the game. Warriors and Sixers, 7 o'clock with a pregame show. It's an authentic Fan Friday brought to you by Comcast Sportsnet. Then it's on for Boston, 7 o'clock pregame on Saturday night. Ray John Rondo in the house. Rebound bass up. His defense has been much better. They're forcing bad shots. Playing on Minnesota, being tired here. Rondo stop and start. Spins oh. with it back to the basket. The magician pulls another rabbit out of the hat, putting it off the window and in, not even facing the rim. Woo. 360. Maybe 361. I don't even think he can do that in NBA 2K. Warriors at Boston Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The Golden State gets a couple of days without a game over the New Year's. But on Wednesday, January 2nd, they better have their A game. The red-hot L.A. Clippers in town. And the most feared point guard in the association I'm talking about, Chris Paul. Clippers by three. Chris at the right elbow. Down the lane. The running right-hander is all cotton for Chris Paul. Now Chris has a game-high 27, and the Clippers lead 94-89. Warriors and Clippers, 7 o'clock with a pregame show. It's a Warriors whiteout powered by Clorox. The first 19,000 fans receive a Warriors whiteout T-shirt brought to you by Clorox. And now Thursday, January 3rd, back with a roundtable, 8 o'clock our time on KMBR 680. All three of those games are on the home floor, so get your tickets early and save at warriors.com slash dynamic or call one 888 GS. SW Hoop. The Golden State Warriors 19 and 
10, getting ready for this three-game stretch and the back-to-back on the home floor. I, Tim Roy, thanks for listening to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We want to thank Jared Jack for stopping by and sharing a few thoughts. Bob Myers for his thought on Andrew Bogut, Jeremy Tyler on the fans in Santa Cruz, and Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. Our producer is R.C. Davis. David Feldhaus at the controls. We'll see you tomorrow night when the Warriors take on the Philadelphia 76ers. 7 o'clock airtime right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.